This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. I just want to start off this episode by thanking you all again for listening. We're going to close the episode with that, but in particular, we've received lots of um, you know feedback on the recent episodes with uh, the global situation, how the Devils have been doing, and a lot of you out there really just supporting our work, making it all possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I know that John appreciates um, you know all of our readers as much as I do, if not more, given that he you know runs the site. But John, how are you feeling going into today's recording? Well, um, I wish it wasn't raining. Mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't going to be thirty degrees tomorrow. Oh yeah. But I will say that uh, you know what happened on Sunday. Uh, obviously puts a puts a smile on everybody's face unfortunately we have to talk about a disappointment first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and well i just want to say in general over the last couple of weeks we had a stretch of the season where you know the devils were tough to watch like they were just making mistakes they weren't really in games mm-hmm. for a while there um in that middle section but recently even in the losses i would say that they haven't been tough to watch i would say they've been pretty exciting to say the least um and while they may not execute all the time and that's frustrating it's never boring yeah they're not it's not a, a case of that the devils are getting run off the ice or there's a clear second period or third period it's mostly the second where the devils are just getting blown out of the game and you can just say yep that's it i'm gonna go walk away from my television I'm going to go do something else that's more productive of my time because mm-hmm. I know how this will end and it would end exactly how you would feel. No, the past couple of weeks, the Devils have been a little bit more competitive. Yes, it's too little too late, but better now than not at all. And I think this version of the team is the one that we definitely wanted to see ending the season. It's the one we want to see entering the next one. And again, supplant that with the goalie, you could actually do some stuff, but um Beyond that, you know, we start off with a game against the hated rivals, which I don't know any game that could sum up these two teams' seasons more than this one at all. Because the Devils won the possession battle, they had a lot of great chances, and they ran into the hottest goalie in the NHL, 
as their power play was again impotent and the Rangers capitalized on the few chances that they actually had because their possession is so bad. Is that not a microcosm of the two seasons here? Well, I would, I think the uh, Devils were out uh, attempted by two, but I mean, you're you're not wrong. Yeah, but you're not wrong. Like you can tell why there's a lot of doubters of New York. Um, There's a lot of, you know, when I say a lot of doubters, I'm talking at the national level, like among the national media, you know, at the athletic analytics people, um, people, you know, people who follow the teams regularly, like they understand and respect that, you know, the Rangers record are their record. And this is a results oriented business. Mm-hmm. They get the wins. They got oh, a yeah. lot of wins. However, the team is incredibly top heavy. It's basically our Tammy Panarin, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Adam Fox, definitely Igor Shesterkin and a bunch of dudes. Yep. Like that's the team. Like, if Shesterkin gets an injury or goes on a cold streak, this team is not a good team. Yep. If Chris Kreider stops scoring so many dang goals, <laughs> and and credit to him, he's not running the goalie every night, so good for him, um, then this team is in the mud offensively. Ditto for Panarin, ditto for Zibanejad. And if Fox is not the Kale McCarr-like player that he is, then that defense is not scaring anybody. And even so, um, this game on Friday, March 4th, it the world's most overrated arena the devils did a lot right in the game mm-hmm. like against other like quote-unquote average goaltender or even if shesterkin was not feeling it that night the devils probably would have scored three or four goals and win the game outright there was a couple but, in that first period that you're like well if there's anyone in net but this guy that's going in yeah effectively the best way to describe it if you're a football manager player you call this getting fm the hockey version is you got goalied Mm-hmm. You got, the Devils got goalied in this game. Yes, yep. they brought last 3-1. Yes, the Devils' power play could have done better. Yes, there were some mistakes, uh, specific mistakes you could have looked at. Nico Dawes probably would like his second goal back. But it didn't. It ultimately didn't matter because Shesterkin was on form. And unfortunately, some nights you just have to say you got beaten by the goaltender. It sucks, but especially in a rivalry game, but that's the heart and soul of that one. I, I'd rather it happen against the hottest goalie in the league than some rookie in Arizona. Though. Oh, that's what I'll say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would definitely take that as well. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't take any loss to the Rangers if I could help. Well, it, sure. But, but at but least that this wasn't one the question sense. that you posited. Yeah. At least this one makes sense as opposed to, you know, when they lost to what's his name? Vermelka. Vermelka. <sighs> Whatever look, it is. Look, um, the point is congratulations that, that to win for winning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the point is, is that, you know, the Devils did a lot right here. You know, it wasn't enough because Shesterkin was on form. Mm-hmm. And that, that's sometimes all you need. Simple yeah. as. Yeah. And that, that game was, you know, there's not much to it beyond that. But the next game the Devils played was against another tough opponent who they had beaten uh, just a couple weeks prior by a big, big score of, what was seven to four? Um, against the Blues, right? That's right. Seven to four in a crazy game where the game, like the, the score sounds like it was a big blowout game. It was a lot closer than it sounds. Like the Devils came back from a 2-3 deficit after the uh, second intermission to go up 4-3. And then, you know, VC scores a crazy backhander. And then the Blues respond to that goal. And then the Devils get some empty netters to uh, seal the deal in that one. And Jordan Bennington was in net for that night. He has not had the best of seasons, Dan. Mm-hmm. And the Devils did not get Jordan Bennington in this game. No, they, they got, got the better goaltender. 
one of the hotter goaltenders of the league, not on Chesterkin's level, but not that far off either, depending on your metric. Yeah, he's probably, you know, top four or five by most metrics that we could say for what he's done this season. It was not an easy goaltending matchup for the Devils. No, and on top of that, the Devils, you know, did have one advantage in their favor is that the Islanders played the Blues the prior night and beat them two to one. Um, So in theory, they had a fatigue advantage. Now, many times this season, you and I have said, oh, yeah, the Devils are playing a team that played last night. And it didn't matter because the other team would figure figure the game out by the second period. Mm -hmm. Roll roll on the Devils, win the game and we feel sad. But that did not happen. Delayed a period, right? So this second period, maybe the most complete one the Devils have played all season long. And uh, it was the third period where they decided to, um, you know, take their foot off the pedal. And St. Louis caught up from a two-goal deficit, which is not something you ever want to see. But John, as you so aptly teased in our last episode, it had been a while since the Devils had played an overtime game. And what do we have? But in the very next episode, here we are talking about an overtime game. Yeah, for the first time since January 2nd. Now, I'm not going to bore you all by trying to count how many games that has been since then. Just know that it's been, well, almost 20 games. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why the Devils record is so bad is that, you know, as much as many people grouse about this, is that this is very much a three-point league. Like, games could be three points. Well, the Devils don't do that. They either win the game outright or they lose it outright. And more often than not, they lose it outright. So they don't get those bonus points or those... um, you know, those moments where you could say, ah, eh, well, at least we took them to overtime or, eh, we took them to a shootout. You know, we made a game of it. The Devils have just not been able to do that, whether the goaltending wasn't there, the scoring wasn't there, a combination of the two. Um, but for the first time since January 2nd, the Devils went into overtime. They, in, in, you know, they did equip themselves quite well after giving up the two goals against. They nearly scored. A, they had better chances, I would say, down the stretch. It helped that well, in theory, it helped that they had some power plays in their favor late in the game, but the Devils power play decided to um, go full recce in terms of its uh, uselessness. Oh, for what, period. five? It's not even that they went over for five, Dan. Like, they didn't look the, good doing it. No, the two in the third period were awful. Like the mm-hmm. first one that they had was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the other two in the second period weren't so bad, but the two in the third period, there was more time spent in their own end of the rink, which is not where you want to be. Yeah. But uh Anyway, but credit to the Devils' discipline that they only conceded the one penalty late in the game, which you knew was going to be called at some point because you know that St. Louis wasn't going to get out of the game without any power plays. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Devils went into overtime, and uh, it did not take long. They survived a minute, I would say. Uh, Dawes forced the – no, Puck went out of play. And then um, you got to see magic from the big deal, but more importantly from – Future Vancouver Canuck, Pavel Zaka. <laughs> yeah. Stealing so, a puck, winning it, using his body, Dan, using his big frame. And Hughes fighting. continues to accumulate points, by the way, at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, he has points in, what, 14 of his last 15 home games, which is, I mean, this is the best part of this season has easily been Jack Hughes breaking out. It has been just a joy to watch. It's exciting every time he has the puck. And in overtime, he got kind of squeezed to the boards and managed to push the puck through to Zaha, who actually made a really, really good play muscling the, um, uh, I don't remember which defender it was for St. Louis, but he muscled him completely off the puck and just found Hamilton cutting through the net. Yeah. This was a play where I, Robert Thomas, uh, number 18 Mm -hmm. on uh, St. Louis, he saw Hughes recover his, his rebound, like that missed the net, he come, coming out of the corner, lost the puck, 
it looked like St. Louis was going to take that turnover. And T- Thomas was, of course, was breaking forward in the hopes of like, hey, give me a, give me this pass. I can go off on a breakaway if I can beat Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. But Zaka saved the day by one, at, the, at a minimum, delaying that. Two, by winning the puck back. And three, turning and recognizing that Hamilton charged up just as Thomas was turning, meaning Dougie burned Robert. And uh, Dougie went to his right. Mm-hmm. Billy Huso went to his left and Dougie beat him on the angle, which is impressive because that's a straight up one-on-one situation here. And Huso is a very good goaltender. So yeah, he did not have a lot of room to work with. That was some hands from Dougie. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes Dougie special. As much as I complain about how the devils take a lot of long shots, because they're not very good shots. Most of them don't even hit the net. Uh, they're more likely to get stuffed, you know, and all that good stuff. But you put Dougie in a medium or a high danger shooting situation. He mm-hmm. can finish him. Mm-hmm. And case in point, he won the game. The Devils win their first game uh, beyond regulation since January 2nd, which they also won in overtime. That's an extra point in the standings. The fans went home happy. Jack Hughes gets a yet another point. Uh, Zaka, pump up that trade value. Blues, you lost two in a row. Maybe, hopefully, you don't crash out of the playoffs race in the West right now. And that's what we call a good, well-played game. Like, yes, it's disappointing that they blew a two-goal lead, but they were just solid throughout. They did a good job, like maintaining the pace of play. They did a good job, you know, knowing where they were supposed to be. And even when they blew the two goal lead, they did not let that go farther. They, they no. managed to regroup and got the extra point, which is really all of next season. This is the kind of effort we want to see win or lose. This is what it has to be. It has to be you're in every game close by. You have a chance to win everything and your guys who are supposed to produce are producing. So good signs so far from this recent stretch for the Devils. Yeah. And even though some guys in that game, I would argue, and this is also true for the New York game, like Bokefist, Tatar, Johnson Mm -hmm. didn't have the greatest of games, but you look at the underlying numbers, they didn't get creamed in those games. Like even in the St. Louis game, like Bokefist, I couldn't tell you what he did in that game, but when he was on the ice, you know, St. Louis did nothing. So that's, that's something there. And as much as I've gotten on the devils for being mentally fragile, I was happy to see that they acquitted themselves quite well. Like it's performances like the one on Sunday where, you know what, they took a hit, they took a, you know, they could have given up on the game. They could have um, rolled over, so to speak, because we've mm-hmm. seen them do that many times this season, which oh, is sure. why I call them mentally fragile, many times but they did it. <laughs> yeah. Th- but they did, they did it. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't lie down to a weaker I'm sorry, to a superior team. They had multiple opportunities to get the go-ahead goal. The power play, okay, the power play was garbage. But well, that, yeah. that aside, they drew power plays in the third period, which is a very hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Credit to guys like Hughes, Bratt, uh, Heischer, Mercer especially. Um, Sharon Govich also had a really good game in St. against St. Louis. And uh, also, full credit to Ty Smith. Um, mm-hmm. Not that his game was completely sterling. But he scored his first goal since November to open the scoring in this game, yep. finishing off a lovely play uh, involving Mr. Bratt and um, Mr. Uh, I don't know if it was Heischer, right? Yeah, ah, that's right. It was Heischer. My mistake. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that Smith finally scores a second goal. At, um, he's finally back in the lineup. Hopefully he starts playing better. Yeah, he needed that. Uh, he, you could he, see he, it on his face. He needed that so badly. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I bristle at the fa- at the people who matter who think he's just another Will Butcher, which tells me you're not really watching these games because mm. Smith is not as slow as Will Butcher. It's a case of his positioning is off. I think a lot of it is mental. A lot of it's confidence. Somebody just needs to sit him down and say, son, trust your instincts. You're not a dummy. You know, you were a two-time CHL defense 
um, I'm sorry, one-time CHL defenseman of the year, two-time finalist for the award. You had a good rookie season. You know what to do. Just trust your instinct. Yeah, see, but- hovering around the, the team is Martin Brodeur, goaltending legend. Uh, that has not helped because I don't think he's been directly involved with helping the goaltenders that much this year. Um, no. So maybe worth getting involved to some extent at least. But then they have Patrick Eliash and Travis Zajac hovering around helping the forwards. And the only defensemen available on campus are Bryce Salvador and Ken Danico. Let's get a, uh, I don't know, let's call up Scott Niedermeyer, have Ty Smith talk to him for a little bit. What's a skating defenseman supposed to look like? What's he supposed to do? What's he supposed to play like? Let's talk to him. Well, you see, Dan, that might be a little tricky because I'm looking this up at the moment here, so bear with me. Is he a coach somewhere? Yeah, I was about to say he now has a staff profile at EP, Elite Prospects, Mm. and he is currently a senior advisor of hockey operations with the Anaheim Ducks. Ah, there you go. And, um, and he was a developmental coach with the ducks for the, for four seasons prior to that and an assistant coach prior to that. So, um, pick a devil, then pick pick one. That's a smooth skater. Pick, pick a, I don't know who's hovering around Tommy (laughs) Albaline. I don't know if Tommy Abilene's hanging out in New Jersey, but the point is, is that yeah, in a perfect world, this is where you wish the devils had someone like a Larry Robinson still to sit him down and say, look, I'm a hall of famer. I've been through this. Let mm. me tell you what you need to do. Focus on this, focus on this. And, and, and again, this is going to sound re- re- silly in a way, but I want Smith to recognize that overthinking a play or hesitating to, to wonder like, is this the right play is the wrong play. It's mm. almost better to make a bad play immediately than to over, like to wait, to take that extra second to make a decision. Cause usually in this game at this level, that beats you like you're already beaten. If you take an extra second to wonder, do I engage? Do I go aggressive? Do I play off of him? Do I maintain gap control? Like you almost have to go, okay, I didn't make the best play in the heat of the moment. Let me make the next best play. You know, that's mm-hmm. the sort that's kind of how hockey goes. I mean, he's not going to turn into Damon Severson, who's just going to do a lot of silly things that make you wonder, how did you stay in this league for this long? Which he did in St. Louis, by the way. Uh, he did in the St. Louis game. He he thankfully did not cost the team a goal, mm-hmm. but uh, you know a lot of little plays where you just go, Damon, what 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 are you doing? Uh, <laughs> but th- that's this is like Severson just doesn't. Smith needs to get just needs to get his uh, confidence back to just do things, and I think a lot of the better play will come from him eventually, which will be very appreciated since. Um, there is a scenario where the Devils might need, uh, might have some extra opportunities on the blue line, Dan. Yeah, so the, the trade deadline coming up, um, we actually had a nice piece come out today in The Athletic between Pierre Lebrun and Tom Fitzgerald. Um, he sat down and talked to Fitzgerald about what the plan is, and I don't think Fitzgerald's in any sort of um, rush to make any deals that he's not comfortable with. I think he's kind of you know, the article, first of all, makes clear that he has spoken to PK Subban about the possibility of him being moved, which right. the second he was acquired, duh. But second of all, um, there's a couple other names that have been floating around the trade block. Your Pavel Zaka, your uh, Damon Severson is the uh, piece in question here because it gives Ty Smith more opportunities for playing time. It gives Luke Hughes more opportunities for playing time. Eventually, it even gives Riley Walsh another opportunity if both Subban and Severson are no longer there. So that's something worth thinking about. But yeah, in this article... You know, it's obvious that Fitz knows that he has to hit the goalie market in the offseason. That, that's obvious to anyone with eyes who has been watching this team or even following this team from a distance. But he did say that they're not going to rush to make a trade and that the phones have been pretty quiet. So the rumors of, you know, Zaka's departure might be exaggerated at this point. 
Yeah, definitely. And look, I, I've written this at the, on the site. I, I wrote a trade value ranking list. I did this mm-hmm. in years past. And I put Severson, when I was putting this together, I actually put him in the high value tier. And, you know, in retrospect, you go, why a high tier player? He's 27. You know, he's on contract for another season. You know, how do you figure he's, and also he's Damon Severson, guy who does random things that seemingly cost your team games. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you figure he's worth a lot of value? But the reality is, and, and Fitzgerald um, uh, suggested that this, uh, is that he has leverage with respect to Severson. The fact that he has another year on his contract means he can be patient. And more importantly, if he's trying to move Subban, which he definitely is, since he already told, had that quote unquote, the talk with him about, hey man, you're getting dealt. Um, you know, you don't want to put the devil's right side of the defense be Dougie Hamilton and two guys, whether it's Smith on his offhand, Christian Yaros, calling up Riley Walsh for his first NHL game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's 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 turning a position of relative, well, I don't want to say strength, but it's mm-hmm. making it weaker. So the devils have the luxury of saying, if you want Severson, we'll talk to you, but it's going to have to be worth something. We're not going to just take a conditional third at a second tier prospect like you're going to have to offer something significant whether that's another defenseman in return a of like a high scoring winger perhaps a goaltender since Fitzgerald has also made it clear he wants a goaltender mm-hmm. um get in line man there's a lot of other teams that need a yeah. goaltender right now like ones that are actually Toronto. making the playoffs too yeah, yeah uh yeah like Toronto worst save percentage since the start of the calendar year mm-hmm. I I brought that up first Dan you know yeah. saying yeah, yeah uh but the fact of the matter is that uh, with severson you have the ability to be choosy whereas with suban it's basically whatever you can get retain 50 percent of the contract and you know wish him luck that's, mm. that's kind of the situation there yeah so we'll see how that uh, ends up playing out but what do the devils have to do before then who are they playing against well dan this week the devils are at home And we've talked about this a little bit in our last show, how this week could be painful, but the devil's got one win. So maybe they can get a second one coming up tomorrow. After this recording, they're playing the Colorado avalanche who are currently number one in the league in terms of the standings. Mm -hmm. That's better than Carolina. That's they have over 40 wins right now. I'm sorry. They have exactly 40 wins. They could have 41 (laughs) if they beat the Islanders on Monday night. They've doubled the devils up. Yeah. Colorado is super good. Oh, by the way, Dan, one of the ways that Colorado is good is that, and I read this in Jack Hand's uh, Hockey Tactics 2022, the playbook, ebook. So mm-hmm. go check that out. Uh, he called his his assessment is that their five on five hockey is called what he Jack Hand calls a two three, meaning two forwards are down low, and joining the point men, which are typically Kale McCarr and Devin Taves on their top unit, is Nathan McKinnon just hanging out as alert, like almost like a false nine in soccer, mm-hmm. and. And as Han writes, is like McCarr typically has the puck. So defenses get to go crazy having to decide whether they have to respect the super talented and skilled Kale McCarr, or if they overload on him, like a New Jersey Devils team that loves to overload, then you leave Nathan McKinnon wide open down the middle of the ice to join Gabriel Lanskog or Miko Ratnan or Nazim Kadri or Andre Burakovsky or someone else yep. in an odd number situation down low. Good luck, Devils. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a very, very, very tough one. It's going to be a difficult game, but we knew the stretch was going to be difficult going into it because after that, it doesn't get much easier anyway. No, the next game on Thursday is against Winnipeg. Now, Winnipeg is not a playoff team. Mm-hmm. However, if you remember, the Winnipeg Jets were the team that blew away the Devils 8-4, to four, that wild game where 
I believe it was Jonathan Bernier's last game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe. I don't even remember. The point is, is that back on December 3rd, this was at the time the most goals the Devils allowed in a game. And I would argue it was like the first real blowout loss of what would become a lot more pain that month. Like the Minnesota game the night prior wasn't that great either. But the Winnipeg game was just an atrocity where the Devils made this ridiculous comeback from three goals down mm-hmm. and then gave up another five goals unanswered. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So um, <laughs> don't give up eight goals. And honor Travis Zajac. Word on the street is that they're finally going to give him a public uh, acknowledgement for his uh, work, which makes sense because he is a Winnipeg boy. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, the only team so far, assuming Colorado and Winnipeg don't do it, is the only team that has shut out the Devils this season. The Anaheim Ducks. Weird. The Ducks beat them 4 nothing way back during the California trip in November. Uh, so Adam Henrique returns to the Rock. Let's see if the Devils can at least keep him, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras, and a um, bunch of dudes quiet while the Devils hopefully score at least one goal against this team so they don't get double shut, at, double shut out in their two games against the Ducks this season. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Dan, in the run-up to the trade deadline, the Devils will be going to Western Canada to play in Vancouver, in Calgary, and then a Saturday afternoon in Edmonton, who it's may or may Western not need Canada that game. trip. Yeah, right before the deadline on the 21st. Woo! Woo! Go, go out there and uh, pray. Go out there and showcase Pavel Zaka to the best of your ability. Yeah, that, that, that game <laughs> on the 15th. Pavel Zaka, have the game of your life, please. Literally please just... have the game of your life on the 15th. You can take the night off on the 16th in Calgary because I don't see how the Devils are going to be going to win in Calgary. No, I, they're, I, they're probably not. I think it's pretty clear at this point what the choice is. Uh, I mean, I don't think. I know it's pretty clear at this point what the choice is between the pending RFAs that need big contracts. Um, or bigger contracts, and Jesper Brad is the answer there when you're choosing between uh, Brad and Zaka. I just hope that the boys aren't too sad when he leaves because they all seem to get along very, very well. And I hope that doesn't bring down the morale. But he's got well, go. <laughs> yeah, to go. He's got to go. I was about to say, I think the morale is taking a hit with the you know 20 win season that they have right now. But, but for a uh, sixth overall pick, he's probably as good a sixth overall pick as Daniel Jones. Ooh. You like that one. I guess you didn't like that one. No, I did not like that one. As a fan of both teams, I can't help but say it. Yes, you could. Yes, you totally (laughs) could have helped it. But then there is another there is another notable RFA who has not played a single game this season, but could. We got an update on Sunday. Ah, yes, yes. According to Amanda Stein. Well, she's relaying information from, I believe, I can't remember if it was Lindy Ruff or Tom Fitzgerald, Mm. that Miles Wood may be able to return to practice within seven to 10 days, meaning best case scenario, he returns to practice and he could either join the team on the trip out to Western Canada or he returns after the trade deadline, which I think would be the smarter move. Mm. Don't make the boy move until he's like really ready to go. Yeah. And after the trade deadline, you might figure out where Wood could slot in more easily after some deals. Um, but Miles Wood could return to the lineup, which is very important for him since he's in a contract year and he basically has just about over a month to play some games to show to show management, like, what should you be paid? And I'd love to see how he looks in this roster. I'd love to see how he looks within, um, you know, enhanced Jack Hughes and enhanced Nico Heischer. He 
probably won't be on their lines, but no. whoever's playing center for him is going to be someone that's faster than had been playing center for him in the past. It is just the nature of the beast at this point with what the Devils have uh, in terms of their center depth at this point, right? I would like to say yes, but I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to get a healthy dose of McLeod, Bastion, and Wood, where Wood will skate in a fast line, win, win some icings, win some dump-ins, and you know, flip a coin as to whether McLeod and Bastion do anything with it. Honestly, there are Wood worse energy it. lines, though. Like, if you're looking for an yeah, energy line not... that can throw around the body, show a little toughness, and, um, you know, if McLeod wins a faceoff and Wood gets possession, that's good. So, yeah, that's... I mean, it's not I, – I, I understand. It's not the worst fourth line to put together, but I would like to see him play with a faster player like Jesper Bokefist just to see, like, how, how mm-hmm. will Wood respond when he has a guy who could – not, you know, he can be faster than McLeod or faster yeah. than Bastion. You know, right. somebody who can play off of him in that sense. Yep. Um, just some different looks because, again, he's playing for a new contract and who knows what the Devils are going to do with this offseason. The roster for next season could look very different than the current one. Totally. So, so you know, you want to be able to know what you got in Wood. I still think, as of now, I think he's dead set on getting a one-year prove-it deal since, you know, this whole season was a wash due to his wrist injury but that uh, feels only fair for both parties honestly yeah exactly but the other thing also i've noticed that what is not a young man anymore i mean okay he's young to me uh he's young to you not that young to me (laughs) okay yeah but he's he's 26 he's gonna be 27 next september so oh yeah he's a year younger than me (laughs) yeah you know okay fine but the point is is that he's not this young prospect who has some something to learn at this level like he is who he is and has been for a couple years so 27 makes him one of the oldest devils it would it it really would (laughs) once they get rid of suban i don't think tatar is coming back for another um another year round he will uh, be one of the oldest devils i i would i was a two-year deal sorry yeah, it's a two-year deal. So, Sorry, never mind. You know, He's definitely back. But um, the point is, Subban you're right. Gone. He is still one. He's still one of the older devil. Would be one of the older devils on the roster. So and we even had Bernier be one of the oldest devils, and uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the point is here is that Miles would. It's in his best interest to come back fully prepared to play mm-hmm. and do his best, and hopefully shows off. He like the worst thing I would say for him would be to either be incredibly cold or incredibly hot. And I say that because I don't want Fitzgerald or his own agent to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, he's clearly a, you know, he's clearly something that he's really not. Because again, he's 27. It's not like he's developed a scoring talent while he's been injured or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. go out there. Hopefully you get healthy. We'll see if he makes it to the Western Canada trip. If not, he's got our hated rivals on the 22nd, at Toronto on the 23rd, at at the capitals on the 26th please bring your ukrainian flags to that one um, a certain number eight will not like it but too bad and then at home on the 27th against montreal so there's plenty of opportunities after the deadline if he doesn't make it uh next week yeah what an organization the washington capitals by the way i just want to point that out there uh you're allowed to protest any number of other causes at any nhl game um for the most part i think there's not a lot that's banned as long as it's respectful to the other fans around and people bring signs all the time but here we've decided to not allow this specific type of protest because it might hurt our captain's feelings. Oh, no. Maybe their captain should tell his buddy to stop bombing innocent people. That would help. So if you have an issue with it, that's it. But I hope the Devils fans show out. They, uh, they come equipped with Ukrainian flags. The Devils come equipped to win a game there um, because it is always satisfying to beat Washington after having not beat them for what felt like 15 years. 
Um, so let's let's go big on that one. Yeah, it would be nice to get another win in Washington this year because they did mm-hmm. that on January 2nd, going back to the previous time they went to overtime. What a miracle um, that was. Yeah, what, <laughs> and, and it was since Blackwood nearly gave that game away. But mm-hmm. that's a, that's beside the point here. Um, so that's pretty much where we stand with the Devils. It's sort of play a whole bunch of games and then wait and see on the trade deadline. It is two weeks away, but to, to Fitzgerald's point, it is quiet right now, and it typically is going to be quiet until – Somebody makes a big move or we get closer to the 21st because a lot of these deals happen on the 21st. Right. Yeah. So until that day, we'll keep an eye out for the news. I just want to say thank you all again for listening. Um, Like I said at the top of the episode, we really appreciate your support and we really have during a season that's been um, tough for so many reasons outside of the hockey world too, but uh, especially for the Devils. And we realize that this podcast has been running in a time where the Devils have not been very successful and all of you continue to listen anyway. So can't wait till it really takes off when the Devils start actually winning some games consistently and are back in the conversation for championship. So John, anything else to add for this episode? Jack Hughes and Jesper Broad are fantastic. Please go watch them and appreciate them. Yes. Enjoy our boys while they're still boys. All right. Thank you for listening again to the Garden State of Hockey. We'll catch you next week after another slate of Devils games. And as always, let's go Devils. Go Devils. Go Devils.